Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Well, good morning. It's good to have you. Um, we, were, we had our lead team meeting on Wednesday night and we were talking about multiplying our Sunday gatherings and we were making very good points either side. You know, we're having a discussion around like, is it the right time? Should we do it? It just seems like a risk. Um, and Jamie actually brought up in the meeting, uh, we do a Bible reading plan together. You can, um, you're welcome to join us. There's a link in the QR code if you want. But the Bible reading for that day um, that we had read was a story of Abram and Lot in Genesis. And um, their tribes, their families were getting too big to be in one space. And so they had to make the decision for one to go north and one to go south. And it just says that as Abram went south, even into the land that didn't look as good as the north, like it didn't look as pretty, um, that God blessed him. And that was like, it just felt like God was telling us, just make room for people and God will continue to bless us. And I know that will come with some uncomfortability. You know, there's some extra logistical challenges and, you know, it's just change and no one likes change. Um, So this could all be a horrible mistake. And in a couple of weeks, we'll come back to one gathering. Who knows? But um, I appreciate your grace and being up with us on the journey. We have been in a vision series. Uh, That first week I talk about being a house of prayer for all. The thing that we really feel that God is calling us into this year is creating space for the presence of God, that relational space between us and God. We're going to be looking at that in a whole bunch of ways. We're going to do a house of prayer series during Lent, so from uh, next week onwards. And then last week I began to unpack our vision statement, following the way of Jesus into the restoration of our neighborhoods. We looked at the first part of that vision statement, following the way of Jesus. This morning, I want to talk about the restoration of neighborhoods. You might have seen when you've come in before that sign, that neon sign out the back that says a restoration corridor. And that is from a story when we were trying to work out where to plant a church. We knew we were going to plant a church on the coast. We were partnering with Narara Valley Baptist Church, which is where uh, I had been on staff and then where we were sent out of. And we were really trying to discern, like, where is the place that God has for us? And every time we would, we would you know, drive through a neighborhood, drive to a different place, we'd be like, what about this place? What about this place? And we had, all, like, all these different ideas, um, but we weren't sure where to plant. And it came down, in the end, to two places. One was Long Jetty, and one was, like, Warner Vale, where there was, like, all these new houses going up. And um, in a lot of ways, like, there was a lot of voices saying that, the, the, like, Warnervale is the perfect place to plant because there's just so many new people moving into the area. It's just all new places and not many churches there. And that's, like, the obvious place where God's, like, taking us. Um, and so I had a day of, of prayer, just, like, really trying to seek God, like, where do you have us? Where, where do you want us to go? And I remember walking along the foreshore, and many of you heard this story before. But I was praying and walking along there, and I got to about where Brent and Bianca's house is. There's like this like foresty bit, and there's a sign there that says, this is a restoration corridor. And the sign outlines that they've been, you know, putting plants in all through that like little corridor of land so that wildlife can, can go through. They've been restoring it. But I just felt like God speak to me in that moment, and we brought it to other people who discerned it with us, is that this little section of land, this little part of the coast, is a restoration corridor. 
that he is bringing restoration to homes and businesses and churches that are already here, and he'd called us to be part of another plant. And so that phrase, like restoration, really sits deeply within the culture and life of our church. Restoration. It's actually a biblical theme we see all through the Bible. Um, If you throw up that drawing, Dion. So we talked about this last week, that the way of Jesus is a narrow path. It's narrow, but it's deep. Jesus says, I am the way. There is a narrow gate, he says. And we talk about following the way of Jesus. What does it actually look like? For me, to stay within the path of Jesus is to have guidelines, to have guardrails, to have boundaries that help us follow Jesus. Jesus is a way to follow, not just something to believe in. He's actually someone to walk out and embody. And we do that by practicing the way of Jesus and gathering with other followers of the way of Jesus. We talked about that last week. You can catch up on the podcast. But the end goal isn't just that we would have a nice spiritual community or we'd feel better in ourselves. The end goal is actually, in that next slide down, is the restoration of all things. That the way of Jesus actually leads to an end goal. That following Jesus, becoming a person of love and joy and peace, isn't just about fuzzy feelings for me, but it's actually a change in the world. We see the end of the story as the restoration of all things. This is actually a biblical idea, following Jesus into the restoration of neighborhoods. It starts right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2. We have the garden, and God creates the Garden of Eden, and he he makes Adam and Eve, and he calls them, he gives them a commission, and their commission is to go and fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And so their role is to take this garden that God has created and actually fill the earth to, like, spread its boundaries. That's, like, what they're meant to be. They're meant to rule the world, but their ruling isn't, like, with an iron fist. It's with gardening tools. It's to go and cultivate the world. That is the the call of humanity, to go and bring the best out of the world, to go and be fruitful and to multiply. But then the end of the story we, we see in Revelation 21 and 22 It turns from a garden to a garden city. And Revelation 21 and 22 is a story of heaven coming to earth, a heavenly city, a new Jerusalem, it says, Zion. And this place is beautiful, and everyone's welcomed in, and the doors are open, and every tribe and tongue has come in. And um, God says, I am making everything new. I am restoring everything. He says, "I I make all things new. And the beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't make all new things. He did that in creation, but his story is to make all things new, including you, including me, including the ground that we sit on and stand on, that he is in the restoration business, the upcycling business, that there is a garden and a garden city, and we see all this imagery in Revelation 21 and 22 of the river of life and the tree of life, and the, and the, uh, the leaves are the, for the healing of, gen- of, of the nations, this beautiful picture of a restored world, the restoration of all things, the reconnection of heaven and earth. But the story gets a little bit complicated in the middle. We have Genesis 1 and 2, where we're given that commission as humans, as human beings. Adam means human, and Eve means life. They're like archetypes for who we're meant to be. Human and life are meant to go and spread the garden, to cultivate things. Genesis 3, uh, we see the serpent come. And the serpent begins to twist the words of God. 
because um, uh, God said, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They go, they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's almost like them taking knowledge and uh, good and evil into their own hands, defining what's good and right by what's good for them, not necessarily what's good for their neighbor. And what happens in that moment, Genesis 3, is that God banishes them, exiles them from the Garden of Eden, and they continue on in their being fruitful and multiplying, but we see a curse put on them. And the curse is for Eve, childbirth would be hard. And for Adam, the curse is that gardening, cultivating the land would be hard. And so we see our, our intention for humans was to go, cultivate the world. And even after we banish from the Garden of Eden, our intention is still to be fruitful and multiply, garden, cultivate, and yet it is harder. That's kind of the story of the Bible. And so the rest of the Bible, we find ourselves in between the garden and the garden city. We're in this line. And so the question becomes, what do we do in the middle? What do we do in the in-between, between now and the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, heaven and earth coming together, the restoration of all things? What do we do right now? There's a prophet in Jeremiah. His name is Jeremiah, and he's speaking to Israel who had been exiled. They'd been cast out of their land. Again, it's like the repeating of the story, the land full of milk and honey. They got exiled out because they weren't following God. And they find themselves in the, the empire of Babylon, sort of the big bad empire. And they were living in the towns of Babylon, in the cities of Babylon. They're in the foreign, a foreign place. And we see this, um, Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. I think it's going to come on the screens. So this is Jeremiah. He's a prophet. He's speaking to the people of Israel. He says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. So the same thing, exiled out of the garden, out of the good place. He says this, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Plant gardens, isn't that interesting? There's imagery there around the gardening. Marry and have children, find spouses for them, so you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. That's that same thing from Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply. Plant gardens and multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. These are beautiful words, but you think about it when these people literally came and tore you away from your homes. Now you're living in their city, and it says, work for the peace and prosperity of the people that tore you from your homes. Pray for it, because its welfare will, will determine your welfare. And I think this is a perfect picture of what people following the way of Jesus are called to do in the midst of finding ourselves between the garden and the garden city is we're to build homes, to plant gardens, to pray for our city, work for the peace and prosperity, work for the restoration of the places that we find ourselves in. That's actually what we're meant to do in the middle. And this is perfectly what Jesus did. He came and he embodied this kind of garden and garden city ideal. In uh, the garden city, there is no sickness or pain. It says that God will wipe away every tear. And so what did Jesus do? He healed people. He restored people. In the garden, there's no like animosity, animosity between people or between God. And so what did he do? He brought forgiveness. He, he forgave people for their sins and offered it away into new life. He built communities and he taught. There's this um, bunch of parables in Matthew 13, which all talk about the kingdom. And whenever you see the kingdom written in the Gospels. It's talking about this garden city, this new government, this new place of the, the world as it should be. And, the, and Jesus is the king. 
And so Jesus is trying to describe what the garden city is like. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And you plant it, and it starts really small. But then it continues to grow. And it grows, and it grows, and it overtakes the whole garden. In that same chapter, he, he says, the kingdom of God is like yeast. And you put it in the dough, and, and it makes the dough rise. You are like yeast. <laughs> What a compliment. That we are actually meant to permeate the neighborhoods that we live in, and we're like the, the yeast helping the dough of our neighborhood rise. I don't know if that analogy tracks, but that we, we are actually meant to permeate and grow the kingdom of God right here and right now. According to Jesus, the kingdom of God grows slowly. There will be, definitely be a, to- a point where Jesus returns. He makes everything right. But the earth, the space that we have in front of us is actually the raw material of the new creation. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is writing to a church plant in Corinthians and he's describing the garden city. He's describing life in the new heaven and the new earth. And he talks about this. He says that, um, 2 Corinthians 5, sorry. He says that you are a new creation. The new creation has come. I think we've got the verse. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the new creation has come. So the garden city has come. New heaven and new earth. That's all the same language. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, who restored us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of restoration. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Ambassador is kingdom language, that we are sent from a different kingdom, a garden city. Where we find ourselves in, we are ambassadors of a different government. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be ambassadors of Jesus, of this new kingdom, the garden city of restoration. We are ambassadors and we are citizens, as Paul puts it in Philippians 3.20. He says that we are citizens of heaven, citizens of the Garden City, that we live in this reality of a, of a different country, but we have a citizenship in a different reality. As we inhabit the places that we are called to, the houses we live in, the streets we live in, the neighbors we live next to, the work we do, the places where we hang out, we are citizens of a different reality. Philippians was uh, a letter sent to a church in Philippi that Paul planted. And Philippi was part of the Roman Empire, but it wasn't in Rome. It was in Greece. It wasn't a Roman city, but a lot of people in Philippi had been given a Roman citizenship because they worked in the army or, you know, other diplomatic reasons. But the idea wasn't for those people that now they were citizens to go back and live in Rome. No, they were to bring the culture of Rome into Philippi. And so as citizens, you know, when, when Paul is writing this to, to Philippians, they know this really well, that citizens are there operating to bring the ethics, the culture of Rome into Philippi. And so when he's calling us citizens of heaven, he's saying that we are to bring the ethics and the culture and the cultivation of the garden city into the places, the neighborhoods that we find ourselves in. David Brooks says that the neighborhood is a unit of change. 
The neighborhood is a unit of change. What he means by that is if you want to change the world, you change your country. If you want to change your country, you change your neighborhood. The neighborhood is a unit of change. I'll take it further and say if you want to change your neighborhood, you've got to change your street. If you want to change your street, then you find a neighbor and you love them well. And to find a neighbor and love them well, you've got to change yourself. That's why we follow the way of Jesus into the restoration of neighborhoods. Citizens and ambassadors. We are joining in what God is doing. So we don't bring the kingdom. We don't bring the restoration. That's actually not what we do. We follow Jesus into restoration. We follow and join him in what he's doing. He's bringing the kingdom. He's the king. We just follow and join what he's already doing. So I just want to share five ways that we feel, particularly as a church, we feel called to join in the restoration of neighborhoods. Five kind of distinctives for us, this community. And these things might change, but this is right now what we feel like uh, the way that we join in what Jesus is doing in our neighborhoods. Does that make sense? The first one is placemaking. Placemaking is about the places that we find ourselves in. It's the Jeremiah 29 stuff. Build homes, plant gardens, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you. Uh, And so we make the places by becoming characters of our neighborhood by loving our neighbors, knowing our neighbors' names, by creating things like the clam. This is placemaking, that we create this little place of culture that becomes a gift for other people to use, becomes a little beacon in our neighborhood. We'd love to create more and more creative different spaces around that actually add to the fabric of our neighborhood, right? We get to know our uh, businesses and local charities. We do all we can to work for the peace and prosperity of our neighborhood. Does that make sense? No one said yes. I just assume, yeah, that's good. Um, Placemaking. The second one is finding people of peace. This is um, uh, from Luke 10, and this is kind of evangelism for the rest of us. We'll find that there are people within our church, gifted evangelists, and they're bold, and they'll like go and tell people that like you need to repent and, and believe in Jesus. But for the rest of us, we are just inhabiting the spaces we inhabit, and we're trying to find where God's already at work. And people of peace comes from the story where Jesus sends out the 72 disciples, and he goes, when you find someone that welcomes you into their house and gives you a meal, stay with them and pronounce peace on them. If not, you just keep on walking. It's fine. Wipe the dust off your feet. And um, some very smart people have, have worked out that there is a principle in here, the people of peace, that there are people in your world, and they talk about loving you, listening to you, and serving you. Now, last one sounds really strange, but like people that welcome you in and give you a meal, that's a surefire way to, to recognize that there's something going on for them, and there's something that's drawn them to you, And there's something where God is at work. And so our role is to find those people in our life and to stay with them and to love them well, right? So as as followers of Jesus, we are to find people of peace, find where people, where God is already at work, find people that are searching and hungry and curious. I could list a bunch of stories, but I don't want to take up all your time. We will talk about all of these things in more detail later in the year. We'll do a series. Um, The third one is integrating faith and work. This is why we did our Sending Festival a couple of weeks ago that our work, the things that we do with our hands and minds and feet actually matter, that we are ambassadors of a new kingdom. We're ambassadors of a different reality, and we do that by the things that we create, by the work we do, by the children we raise, by the um, uh, whatever it is, the things we volunteer with, that our work, our creation, the way that we treat people actually matters, and our faith and our work are deeply integrated. And the more we can do that, the better. The more we can integrate 
who we are in our kind of nine to five, the more we can integrate Jeremy's um, lawyer by day, musician by night, as actually works of the kingdom, the better it is that we are following Jesus in all our life. The fourth one is justice. Now, that's a kind of a loaded term, um, but justice really just means the world made right. And so this is what Jesus did in heaven. There was no sickness, and so he healed people. And so it's that same principle. In heaven, there are no homeless people. And so we want to help those who are experiencing homelessness. In heaven, there is no slavery. So we want to help people that are experiencing slavery. We want to end that injustice. In heaven, there's no consumerism. There's no greed. We want to change these things about our world and align them with the new heaven and earth. We get to bend our earth into the reality of the new kingdom ever so slightly as we join in what God's doing. And the last one is church planting. That one of the ways we join in the restoration of all things is planting more communities who can plant more gardens. And that's kind of what that's about. In the last 10 years in Australia, there are a thousand less churches than there were 10 years ago. And that's kind of normal because churches die. They're an organism. They're not an organization. They're an organism. And everything has a, has a lifespan. None of, the, none of the churches that Paul planted are still alive today. Um, but the way that the church moves forward and grows generation after generation is by giving birth to new communities and, and new churches, and we want to be part of that. Cool? We will talk about this in more detail later in the year, but we don't bring restoration on our own. We follow the way of Jesus into the restoration that he is already doing. We get to take the raw material of creation 1 Corinthians 5 talks about um, a seed turning into a flower. That's like the difference between earth and the new creation. The raw material of this world is like a seed that turns into the flower of the garden city. And a lot of people think that like heaven is just some place I go to where I die, just like disembodied. But that's not the story of the Bible. The story is of resurrection, that Jesus rose in his body and he's going to be resurrecting everything turning the seeds of life into flowers. And what that means is that everything that is around us is the raw material of new creation. The way that I treat people is the raw material of new creation. The way that I um, engage in my work is the new material, is the material of new creation. The way that I uh, help someone who is experiencing homelessness is the raw material of new creation. The way that I raise my kids is the material of new creation. The artwork that I do is the material of new creation. We follow Jesus into the restoration of all things. Our world, our homes, our streets, our church, our own internal worlds, our work, our justice, our church planting are all the raw material of new creation. We follow Jesus into the restoration of neighborhoods because we are citizens and ambassadors of a new reality.